Welcome to the Bonner Broadcast, a Bonner Pipeline Project initiative where we provide professional development resources for civically engaged leaders in the higher education and nonprofit sectors. In this series, we will be focusing on postgraduate pathways with episodes covering graduate school, career changes, and networking. So you want to go to graduate school? This episode will focus on graduate school, featuring advice from admissions counselors and former students as they candidly share their own grad school journeys and give insight into the application process. In this episode, we will hear from the admissions counselors at the University of Virginia's Frank Batten School of Leadership and Public Policy and Wake Forest University School of Divinity, as well as Bonner alumni who chose to pursue advanced education. So you're probably wondering, how do I know if graduate school is right for me? Here's Samantha Ha, a former Bonner Foundation employee. She obtained her master's from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign and is currently pursuing her doctoral degree at Boston College. My biggest piece of advice is that you should no one should rush into grad school. If you don't know what you want to do, you should not go to grad school to try and figure that out. Undergrad and grad school are, are totally different things. Grad school can cost a lot of money, um, and if you get, and it's very highly specialized, and so if you don't know what you want to do, you're going to go into a specialized grad school, and if you realize then that that's not necessarily what you want to do, then I think it's, it's, a, it's a lot harder. There's no need to necessarily rush into it either. Like when we're young, there's all this pressure to, like, to get it done really quick. I still feel that pressure. In some ways, I feel like sometimes I even rush back into grad school. And so that's one of my biggest pieces of advice is like, if you're not sure, don't go. There's so much value in gaining experience, whether it's in the workforce, whether it's in a fellowship. In so many ways, I think if I jumped right into grad school after I graduated, when I didn't necessarily really know what I wanted to do, um, I think it would have limited me in a lot of ways. But working at the foundation for a few years really helped me to, um, like I said, gain confidence in myself as like a young professional. I feel so much more secure having two years of work experience under my belt in grad school because I know that I can do it. So now you're thinking about a gap year. Do graduate schools see that as a positive or a negative on an application? Let's hear from them. Here's Race Lamb, Director of Ministry and Vocational Exploration from Wake Forest University School of Divinity and a Bonner Scholar alumni from Emory and Henry College. Our youngest student in the fall is going to be 22 years old, um, and our oldest student is going to be 65 years old. So uh, we really do have that, that large gap. That being said, the age that is most occurring, so our mode age is actually 23, um, meaning that most of the students who are coming through um, our program are either coming right out of undergrad or they are taking kind of that traditional gap year um, before they start graduate school. Um, I will say that it really does not matter for our program uh, which students decide to do. Um, there are pros and cons, I think, to all of them. Uh, so the students who are coming right out of undergrad, they seem to uh, transition easier into the graduate level academic work because they never really took a break, right? So it's just continuing the status quo from writing those essays and doing all that reading in undergrad to 
doing it in grad school and kind of just going forward. We've also noticed that some of the students who take a year or two, especially to work, uh, kind of come in on a more stable financial grounding. The key, however, is if you do take a gap year or two to make sure that you are doing something. Um, if you take a gap year to just do nothing, that's going to reflect very poorly in the application process. Something we have noticed is the students who take gap year or years um, and they do nothing often have the hardest time transitioning back into um, a graduate school program. Now we'll hear from Courtney Liston-Snyder, Admissions Coordinator, and Jeff Chittister, Executive Director of External Affairs, both from the Frank Batten School of Leadership and Public Policy. The Bonner experience with, you know, the number of service hours that um, the Bonner um, leaders and scholars put forth during their undergraduate career. It's not like they have zero years um, of work experience. And I think that's, you know, how we're looking at those resumes for incoming students is there are areas of potential and leadership that we're seeing already. But there are things, you know, that we look for, whether it's, you know, passion, motivation, resilience, team orientation, integrity, self-awareness, um, things that, you know, we believe, you know, do you have a high emotional IQ? Do you, uh, you know, do you really have, um, you know, some experience that you gained in your undergraduate years that is really valuable? There's a lot of things that, that we can see as indicators of someone that we, we really believe will be great in our community that don't require them to be in the workforce for a certain number of years. Now you're asking, why should I pursue graduate school? Well, make sure it's for the right reasons. Here's Jada Monica Drew, International Leadership and Diversity Consultant and CEO of her own company, with more about her journey. Learn more about Jada in the Career Pathways episode of this series. When I think about my master's program and how I decided, it was a simple decision, um, but there was a pathway. I knew that I wanted or thought that I wanted to be in um, nonprofit management. And there was a really, really cool program at um, a local university where, where I was um, in school. And I really thought about it and I said, do I really, really want to do this? Or am I going to get this degree because I feel like that's the next step in my life, you know? And I decided not to, so I deferred my um, acceptance. And I waited a while. I waited about two, two or three, maybe three years before I went back and I really looked, I wanted to find a program um, that fit in three boxes, that wasn't super extensive, that I could do online, and that allowed me to travel to study. And um, a friend of mine sent me a, um, an email about Drexel, and um, it was just a perfect fit. As you can see, there is no schedule or correct way to pursue advanced education after college. But you probably have more questions. Like, how does the application even work? Here again is Race Lamb. Applications to graduate school can vary quite vastly. <laughs> the foundational question uh, students have to ask is, are they applying to um, a graduate academic program? So for example, a master's in psychology or master's in sociology, physics, chemistry, something like that. Or are they applying to what is considered to be a professional school? So business school, law school, divinity school, etc. Those are going to be two different applications. Our application specifically here at Wake Div, it consists of kind of your biographical information, some short answer responses, a reflective essay, all your transcripts, 
steps. So if you transferred from a community college to a four-year school, or if you transferred from different four-year institutions, we have to have transcripts from all of those institutions. Three letters of recommendation, two of which can speak to your academic ability, and then one who can speak to kind of the larger reasons you may be considering divinity school and then um, your resume or CV. The Divinity School really loves when Bonners are able to talk about all their service over the last four years and, and put that on a resume. Really, the part that seems to surprise our students the most is the reflective aspect of it. A, a lot of the students are thinking they're applying to graduate school, and therefore it's going to be a very academic application process. Um, but for us, it's actually a very holistic application process. We'll see your academic ability via your transcript and via your letters of recommendation. The essay is really us seeing your ability to write an essay, um, but also write a reflective essay. Up next, we will hear once more from Courtney Liestensnyder. We have a range um, of students, and in terms of looking at you know, what they bring to the table, it isn't um, just those GPAs or GRE scores, because we know there's so much more, and that's where the letters of recommendation are really important to hear from the people who know you best, um, whether that's academically or professionally, uh, to tell us who you are and what you can bring to the table. Um, and your personal statements. If you can't tell us why you want to be here and why you want to study public policy, it doesn't matter if you have 10 years under your belt or zero years. Finally, once more, here is Samantha Hawk describing her personal experience when applying to graduate school. I became super overwhelmed when going through the application process because it's a lot of different components. There's definitely no like common app for graduate school programs. And so that makes the whole process very tedious. It's also really expensive to pay for application fees, um, not to mention like GREs or um, whatever like standardized tests you have to take, whether it's like LSATs or you know, well, whatever it is, the GRE is more obviously more generalized. Um, but it does cost a lot and so um, I think it's important also if you're thinking about grad school that to save up for that type of stuff, um, things that you don't really think about, and also to really build a support system around you um, because you'll need letters of recommendation, but you're also going to write personal statements or statements of purpose, and all of those things take a lot of time and energy because they're high stakes documents, you know, like summarize who you are and why you deserve to be in this program in 500 words. You know, it's, it seems nearly impossible. And so uh, getting a support system around you, people who will be willing to um, to read through and review and peer review and continually edit your documents for you to do true feedback. Um, it's also like those people that you choose to support you to like whether they're mentors, professors, staff, anybody, um, like they're also really beneficial in like knowing the field you're going into. Like I'm going to the field of educational philosophy and so one of my mentors is in that field and she um, told me, she had a lot of connections there and so she gave me a lot of advice on how to tailor my, um, my like statement, like my personal statement to the, like kind of like the ethic of the field. Uh, the ethos of the field, like being able to represent that you're going to contribute meaningfully to it. And so having someone in your corner who knows the field or knows the grad school or knows like the discipline you're trying to get into, I think is really valuable.
that's where your Bonner network can come into play. You can reach out to the foundation. Odds are that you'll know somebody, right? Someone who can connect you to someone there. So you've decided to apply, but you're wondering, how do I choose the right program? After talking to professionals and admissions counselors, here's some advice and quick tips. First, Anthony Syracuse, Assistant Director at the Collaborative for Community Engagement at Colorado College, sharing his perspective on doctoral programs. He earned his PhD and Master's in History from Vanderbilt University. Learn more about him in the Career Pathways episode of this series. It's very important that you go into the right program with the right mentors and the right kind of support. Because I can tell you, Claire, there are people who go to these programs and they get completely marginalized because it is so competitive to get in the programs and the, the faculty who are, who, are, who are mentoring these students are so focused on, I've got to produce more English professors, I've got to produce more history professors, I've got to produce more sociology professors, that they're not interested in mentoring you if you're not going to do that. So it is so critical that if you do decide to go and get a terminal degree, that you really understand, you have to go in with your eyes wide open about the structure of graduate education and to some degree what you're planning to do with the degree. Once again, here's Race Lamb. Part of this is also taking some time to reflect on what you actually want out of a school as a student. What I've kind of experienced, um, both as a student who has applied to graduate school and, and went through that whole process, and is now working to kind of usher in the next generation of grad students. Um, visiting to me is key. As soon as you step onto a campus, you, you tend to get that feeling. But there are also a lot of other things to consider, right? So ask questions like, what type of class sizes do you want? Do you want classes that are, you know, averaging 15 to 20 students per class? Are you wanting kind of the larger lecture style um, seminars as well? One thing that was also a big thing for me was, was cost of attendance and cost of living. I knew that I was not coming from a background where I had large amounts of money to spend on grad school. So starting to look at financial aid offerings from different institutions also started to help me uh, kind of narrow down some choices. One of the bigger transitions is often graduate schools do not provide housing and meal plans and things like that that a lot of our undergraduate honors are accustomed to. Taking that into account in the area that the school is situated in um, can also start to just help narrow down the choices. Next, here's Jeffrey Chittister discussing the importance of asking questions. You know, this is a two-way street. We're going to be hard on every application. Students should be hard on every program. And so they need to ask questions um, as they do, like, what are my uh, elective options? Where do people go for their summer internship? How many people get jobs immediately after graduation? What kind of jobs are they? In what sectors? How much can you offer me in funding to attend the program? You can't think about graduate school without also asking, how do I finance it? Here again is Samantha Ha with advice on financing and making graduate school a feasible option. I think funding is really important to think about because grad school is extremely expensive, especially for the master's degree, especially when we think about going into careers in nonprofit and higher education, which doesn't have the highest margin of like salary in the first place. However, I do think that there are definitely ways to be able to financially maneuver grad school. So when I applied to grad school, I applied to a lot of classically like prestigious schools. Like I applied to Columbia University, 
um, to University of Pennsylvania, Notre Dame, to Georgetown, and I also applied to the University of Illinois. And I realized that all of those schools, um, if you go for like a, a, a prestigious school, it's going to cost you more, especially I didn't have a master's at the time. And so um, a lot of PhD programs require you to have a master's first, or you go into the PhD and you get a master's and route into the PhD. If you're going into a PhD program, I would honestly say that you should never pay for your PhD. A lot of programs I was accepted into the master's program with very little funding, if any. And um, the one where I had the most funding is at the University of Illinois because it's a public research institution. And so thinking about the type of institution really matters when it comes to funding because public universities have more opportunities for funding through graduate assistantships, through tuition waivers. Um, and so that you're like working for the university while going to school and uh, that's a way where you don't have to take on any more student loans. So actually going to the University of Illinois, I didn't take any loans and I got a stipend and work experience out of it. Um, and so I'm like really thankful that I went there. And going to Boston College, um, my PhD program is funded with a stipend and health insurance. So I do think it's really important to think about funding and to think about the type of school. Be patient, you know, like if you don't get it the first time, then maybe rather than going into grad school and taking on $100,000 worth of debt, it's worth it to work another year and apply again, you know? Um, and so I would think, I, I would say that funding is a really important thing to think about because I feel so much better and more secure knowing that I'm going to come out of my education not incurring more debt than I have already from my undergrad loan. In conclusion, here are Courtney and Jeff from the Batten School discussing why their institution chose to partner with Bonner and the impact Bonner students have had within their program. Bonner has actually has been on my radar since um, I was actually first applying to colleges. I went to Christopher Newport University where um, there was a Bonner chapter or however you want to describe um, uh, the Bonner program on CNU's campus. And so when I got into this position, um, Bonner was actually one of the organizations I really wanted to push because I knew that the Bonner program really created uh, some of the most inspirational students that I came across um, at CMU, as well as the ones who were most prepared and most aware of what challenges and issues they saw in local communities that they wanted to grow up and change. We don't consider ourselves a place that, that teaches you know, for a two-year degree and then lets you go out into the world and you know do what you're gonna do. We think of this as a lifelong relationship. We're trying to build a network that is really going to make meaningful change in the policy world. And so for that, while we do get a lot of applications in, we need to be proactive and we need to be thinking about where do those people exist that, that we think are really positioned and have the motivation and the skill set to go on and do great things, to do important things, do impactful things. And so what Courtney and I uh, do, and this is one of the really fun parts about this job is we go out and we try and figure out where, where, where are those places um, that are really cultivating the next generation of leaders. And so we look at, we look at fellowship programs, we look at colleges and universities, we look at think tanks, at NGOs and military branches, at a whole variety of things, but 
what we're looking for that, that is sort of the common thread across them all is are they doing something that prepares them to thrive in a program like ours and then beyond? And so we were both familiar through different ways with you know, Bonner scholars, Bonner leaders, and it was a, it was a pretty obvious uh, fit for us. And so we reached out and fortunately, um, uh, Bonner was interested in working with us to try and open some doors to some of the best and brightest. Thank you for tuning into this Bonner broadcast episode. So you wanna to go to graduate school? Other episodes from this Postgraduate Pathway series are available on the Bonner YouTube channel, as well as the Bonner Wiki. While you're there, be sure to check out the other Pipeline Project resources too. This episode has been made possible thanks to Claire Blim, Liz Brandt, Sarah Byler, Maria Guevara Carpio, Dr. Ari Hoy, and the Bonner Pipeline Project Committee. Special thanks to our featured guests, and to Ben Sound for the music. Bonner Love!